You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a Bible doctrine series by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Let's start out here in James chapter 3. You've heard me read this passage of scripture on a number of different occasions. talks about the wisdom of God as opposed to the wisdom of man. Now, man's wisdom is not God's wisdom. So that means it comes from another God, and that is the God of this world. It says here in James chapter 3, This wisdom, this worldly wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly. We're going to talk about the sensual wisdom tonight. And what's the next word? Devilish. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, it is sensual, and it is devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And, and just think of how that describes the society in which we now presently live that has turned its back on the wisdom of God and has embraced the wisdom of men, the carnal wisdom of man that comes from the God of this world, earthly, sensual, and devilish. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the lesson that we will teach here tonight as we continue our study in the major doctrines of Scripture. Father, as we look now at the doctrine of demons, devils, fallen angels, that you'd give us an understanding tonight of how they operate and how they work in the world, in your church, and also in our individual lives. Thank you for the victory that you have given us through Christ over the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now it's time to embrace the wisdom of God. So let's get into the Bible and let's study what the Bible has to say about these fallen angels. So let's do a little review. It will not take long tonight, but uh, we're studying the evil angels, the fallen angels, uh, devils as translated in the King James Bible. I love that translation or demons as we better know them. We see that here in Romans chapter 8, they are called angels, they're called principalities, and they are called powers. It says that they cannot separate us from the love of Christ, and all God's people said amen to that, I hope. We find in uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7 that they're called the dragon and his angels, the dragon being who? Satan himself, that old red dragon that he's identified as in the book of the Revelation. Revelation 12, 9 also talks about Satan and his angels and how they were cast out there in Revelation 12. So what have we learned from our lesson last week about these fallen angels? First of all, that's exactly what they are. They are fallen. Who did they follow in their fall? They followed Satan. He was the original fallen angels. How many of the angels did he take with him? One third of how many? An innumerable number of angels. So one third of the angels went with him and we now identify them as fallen angels. They are devils, they are demons, fallen angels. Uh, they have names. We looked at some of the names that were given to these 
fallen angels last week. We can identify some of them by name. These angels can speak. We find them speaking out. We find them speaking through individuals. That's scary, isn't it? To hear a demon speak through a person's voice. We find them speaking to the Lord Jesus directly, even identifying him as the Son of God and Jesus telling them to be quiet. So these fallen angels can speak. They are extremely highly intelligent. They are more intelligent than we are. All right? So just, just remember that, but, but praise God, we have the King of kings and Lord of lords who's up there in our defense. We'll talk about that tonight. <clears throat> these angels are able to formulate a system of satanic-centered uh, theology. And we have uh, the wisdom which is of this world is earthly, sensual, and what? Devilish. There it is. And so I really have been warning you in the past couple weeks to be careful who you're listening to, especially the YouTube preachers. All right? Be very, very careful who you're listening to because they are very systematic in their theology. Uh, fallen angels also possess great ability and strength. And so this is where we were last week. Now, tonight, we want to move into some new information that the Bible gives us, and it comes right from the uh, Word of God itself, and we're going to look at the activities. What are these fallen angels, these demon spirits, these devils, what in the world are they up to? Okay, what are they engaged in? What is their activity? Now, we can't just surmise what their activity is or say, you know what, that's a demon involved there. The Bible clearly tells us what areas of life that these fallen spirits will involve themselves in. And I believe that these demons, these devils, these fallen angels are very active today. Matter of fact, the Bible says their activity will increase the closer we come to the return of the Lord Jesus. And if we can't see the return of the Lord Jesus on the horizon, there's really something wrong with our spiritual vision here. So just, just anticipate that Satan and his devils are going to become more and more active as they realize their time is drawing short. So let's look at a passage of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not telling you that I have all the insight into this passage and all that it represents and all that it applies to, but just let me give you some thoughts that I have concerning this. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through verse 45 says this, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. A question was asked last week, I believe it was asked by Levi, what happens when a demon is exercised out of an individual? Where do those demons go? Well, we know that the legion of demons went into what? They went into a herd of swine, and the swine drowned themselves. But where do they go? Uh, let's kind of find that out here. He walketh through dry places. So now the demon is out of this individual's life, right? And you can't imagine how good that individual must feel to be in control of his life again instead of having a demon in control. But for whatever reason or way, this demon has now left this individual. And he walketh through dry places seeking what? Seeking rest. He's been exercised out. He's seeking rest, but he findeth none. Why doesn't he find any? Because his activity is to do damage wherever he can. Then he saith, I will return to my what? He's going to go back to that home he lived in. What was the home that he lived in? An individual person. That person was 
his home. So he's been out of the home, and now he wants to come back into the home. She says, I'll return to my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it. That's an interesting word there. What? Empty. So has this person gotten saved and been indwelt by the Spirit of God? No, he has not. Now, is the demon out of his life? Okay, the demon's out, but what hasn't come in? The Holy Spirit hasn't come in. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't believe that a truly saved person can be a demon-possessed individual. I think they can be highly demon-influenced. But I do not believe for a moment that our, our temple, which is the temple of the Spirit of God, can be the temple of God's Spirit and the temple also or the house also of an evil spirit. Those two just don't go together. Amen? They don't go together. So I know there are some out there teaching, you can find a YouTube preacher, that'll tell you that, yes, a, a born-again believer can also be demon-possessed. I don't believe that. He findeth it empty. The Holy Spirit has not come into this person's life. He finds it empty, but it's swept and it's garnished. The guy's trying to clean up his life. You ever see people that try to, without the Lord, try to clean up their lives? Usually doesn't last very long, does it? Rehabilitation really doesn't work. We need transformation. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other what? So now he goes, gets a bunch of his fallen evil spirit friends. He said, man, I found the house that I left is empty. It's garnished. Come on. There's no Holy Spirit keeping us out of this person's life. Then goeth he, and he taketh with him seven other spirits. So interesting, this passage of Scripture. More, what church? Wicked. So there's different levels of wickedness within the uh, devil world, within the demon world, within the fallen spirit world. Some fallen angels are more wicked than others. Then goeth he and findeth with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. Dwell where? In a person. So now how many demons do we have in this person? We have eight. Eight demons now indwelling them. And they enter in and dwell there. Now, I underline this statement here because we're going to connect this with another statement and see if you, before I even get to that other statement in Scripture, if you can make the connection. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. How many have ever heard a statement very similar to that in the Scriptures? One. I'll say it again. And the last state of that man is worse than the first, obviously, because now he has eight demons in him, and they're more wicked than the first demon. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now he applies it to the present generation. You know, one thing I think about America is that because we haven't, we've swept and we've garnished and we've tried to clean up our house, but you know what? Is it's, it's empty of God. And when there's a God void in a person's life or in a nation, what can come into that God void? More wicked spirits can come in. And the more we seek to remove God out of our society, and you know, now we're in the battle for Christmas again, aren't we? 
And here taking place, billboards being brought down that have anything to do with Christ and Christmas. But the more we become more secular, the more we remove God and his word and his standards, what happens to a generation? It becomes what? It becomes more wicked. And that's what we see being played out before us. Now, there was only one raised their hand, so they made a connection with this underlying phrase right here. So let me give you the connection that immediately came to my mind. It's here in Second Peter. For after they have escaped the corruption, of the, the, uh, have escaped the pollutions of the world, and boy, is the world ever polluted spiritually and morally. Through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled and overcome. And here's the phrase, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now let's go back. At the last state of that man is worse than the what? Isn't that very similar? Very, very similar statement. And is overcome the latter end worse with them than the beginning. So does this person that we're talking about here, does he have a knowledge of the Lord? Does he have a knowledge of salvation? Does he know how to escape the corruptions that are in this world? Does he know how to live a godly life? Yes. But does he? Does she? No. So what happens? The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered unto them. How many people do you know that claim to be saved, but now they are whole hog into the world? Come on, raise your hand if you know folks like that. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn away from the holy commandment. And then he gives these two analogies. But it's happened. We see it all the time. But it's happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Why do dogs eat vomit? As disgusting as that is, why do they do that? It's their nature to do it. Why does a pig that is washed go right back out and go into the mire? That's the nature of a pig to do that. So what do we find here? We find the man's nature's never been changed. Maybe they've been in church. Maybe they've sung in the choir. Maybe they've taught a Sunday school class. Members of a local, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing church. But listen to me. Lost. Lost. This is what I wonder about sometimes when I teach and preach and I see absolutely... No movement on individual's part. I see a hardness that sets in. And it goes on for sometimes years. And then, especially I've, I've seen this, to be honest with you, I've seen this in our young people, usually very tender to the Lord when they're little, and then so they get up into their teenage years, and there's this hardness that sets into them, into their teenage years, and they just shut the pastor off. They're not listening to messages. They're not responding. They're not, they're, they're not repenting. They're not uh, down the aisle, they're not getting right with God. They become more and more and more and more hard. And soon when they have an opportunity and they no longer have parental uh, restrictions upon them, they're into the world, just like a, a pig to the mire and just like a dog eating his vomit. 
I've seen it over and over and over again in my 30 plus years of ministry. So it makes you have to question, was this person ever really born again in the first place? Or were they like that man just trying to garnish his life and yeah, really the Holy Spirit wasn't there and so when opportunity came, it came more wicked. Church family, listen to me. This is a very, very serious issue that we bring up here tonight. Those are two disgusting analogies. Actually, they're so disgusting, I didn't put a real picture of a dog eating his vomit or of a pig wallowing in the mire because it was like, that's just too disgusting for church. So I tried to cartoonize it. Is that a word? Cartoonize is not a word. I just invented a word tonight. But let's look at some of the activities that these fallen angels are involved in. First of all, we all should know that they oppose God's purpose. Does God have a purpose for my life? Does he have a purpose in my life? Does he have a purpose for our church? Does he have a purpose for your life? Absolutely. And so Satan is doing his dead level best through his fallen angels to thwart that. That's why we have to put on the whole armor of God. That is why. That's why we need to understand the armor. We need to understand how to put the armor on. And we need to understand how to use the armor. That's why we have had a, a series on the armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the feet shod, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate, uh, the belt of truth, and the uh, helmet of salvation. We have to get our armor on to thwart Satan's purpose. Another thing we see about fallen angels is that they are to execute Satan's program. They thwart God's, but they seek to push forward Satan's agenda, his program. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, are we in those times? That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Are we seeing that happen? I've never seen it to the degree that we're seeing it right now. Departing from the faith. Who is behind getting believers to depart from their faith? Uses his devils to do that. Now, Spirit speaks expressing that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed. They're listening to what kind of spirits? All right, what does that mean, church? What does it mean that they seduce? What? They entice. They deceive. They entice. They deceive. Temptation, deception. Two most powerful weapons that Satan has in his toolbox. Somebody else? What? They lure you. How do they lure you? Through sin. Okay, through lust. Through sin. Depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. We talk about men seducing women or women seducing men. What are we talking about? Okay, we're talking about immorality there. We're going we're to get to that in just a minute. 
But we're actually talking about someone tricking another person to do something that really they wouldn't have done, but they seduced them to do it. They tricked them into doing it. Usually afterwards, they regret the fact that they've been seduced. Right? Can you be seduced in a shopping mall by all the lights and the trinkets and the uh, things that are out there for sale? How many people you think were seduced doing Black Friday? $1.5 billion worth of seduction took place. All right? Actually, Alyssa said to me, my sweet, precious Alyssa, she said, I didn't know I needed anything until I went shopping. (laughs) Seducing spirits. Doctrines of what? Doctrines of devils. Doctrines. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Another powerful statement here, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And that's why I put these two pictures up here. We have false teachers, damnable heresies, doctrines of devils. God says, don't go there. Don't go. If you go there, it's possible that you may be seduced. For any of us thinking, listen, I'm beyond satanic seduction. It's false. There's certain things we should not read. There's certain places we should not go. There's certain things we should not watch. Give me an amen. That's why the doctrine of separation is so important. That's why we must not be people who compromise. Our conscience can become seared. I think most of us probably... uh, have experienced this? Maybe, maybe, let me use this, maybe it was a watching of a television program that when it first came on, you said, oh, that's filthy, and you turned it off. The next time it came on, it kind of caught your interest, and you watched it a little bit further, and you said, ah, that's just, turned it off. Next time someone talked you into watching it with them, and you watched it a little bit farther, now pretty soon you find yourself entertained by that thing. The same thing happens with music. Music that once a person used to say, that is evil, that is wrong, that, that violates my conscience. Sin is a monster of such awful means, but to be hated means not to, but just to be seen. But seen too often familiar with face. We first pity, and then we embrace. We are literally embracing things now because our conscience has become so seared. We are embracing things now that a few years ago we never would have embraced. I will never forget how powerful this was. I mean, this was over 20 years ago when we were going to the Gothard Seminar, and Bill Gothard put his hand up, and he said, you know, there was a time when the world was here and the church was here. But now the church is over, or the world is over here, and now the church is right here. The church is now where evil once used to be just a few years ago in the eyes of the church. That's how this whole, that, this is what the devil's up to, church. And many times, I just can't understand why people cannot see this. People that once used to have convictions, once used to have standards, and now they've gone back on all their convictions and all their standards are embracing the very things that once they used to warn against. 
This is the seduction of the devils. And we're all prone to it if we're not careful. So they seek to thwart God's purpose and push forward Satan's program. Fallen angels are masters at dissimulating false doctrine. Now we beseech you, brethren, Paul wrote, the church of Thessalonica, now we beseech you, brethren, by our coming of the Lord Jesus and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, now watch this, nor by letter from us. The church at Thessalonica had received a forged letter signed with the apostle's name. And that letter stated that they were now in the tribulation. Now, can I ask you a question? Would that shake you up a little bit if you, you got a letter from the Apostle Paul? And it says, hey, church, sorry to tell you this, but guess what? You're in the tribulation. Well, was that what Paul had taught them? He said, don't be troubled by your spirit, by word, nor by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you. Who's behind the deception? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a fallen away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And he goes on to say, listen, you're not in the tribulation. There's some things that have to happen. One thing has to happen. It's a rapture got to take place. He delivers us from the wrath which is to come. So here, I mean, right, right in the very beginning, before the Bible was even complete, what were the fallen angels doing? Spreading false doctrine. So be sure. Be sure you get your doctrine from the Bible. I have a message that I've prepared. I prepared it last year when my wife and I were down in Florida. The Lord has not given me the go-ahead to, to preach it. You know what I think I'm going to preach on Sunday? I think the Lord's working this in my heart. And it was started doing it today. Is Did that really come out of your mouth? How many have ever said something like that or heard a statement like that? Did, that, did, that, did, I, did I just hear you say what I think I heard you say? That really come out of your mouth? But the message I prepared was on why the church needs to teach sound doctrine. You know what I wish? I wish our Wednesday nights were more attended than our Sunday mornings. I really do. Because these Bible doctrines that we are teaching through are so important, they're so essential that we be not tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. If you're not sitting under good, solid, doctrinal teaching and preaching, you're going to be susceptible to the seducing spirits. So make sure you're getting your doctrine from the Bible. That comes from the Scripture. 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning, they're cunning, they're tricky, they're crafty, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'll get to it. Hold fast. Hold what? Fast. Don't give it up. Hold fast. The faithful word as ye have been taught, that ye may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Gainsayers are those who mocked, made fun, ridiculed, sound biblical teaching. Gainsayers. But speak uh, thou the things which become what kind of doctrine? Sound. You ever heard of someone being of sound mind and body? Yeah. Healthy. They're sound. They're healthy. Become a healthy, sound doctrine. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing what church? Uncorruptness. Gravity. Sincerity. Doctrine is so important. I begin to think of all the ways the seducing spirits have worked their way into the world and into our lives. And I'm just throw a few of them up here for you. They basically have taken over our schools. Fallen angels, seducing spirits, they've taken over our schools. It's devilish. It's the devilish wisdom that's now being taught to our students. I just, I just happened to, uh, actually I was going to meet my wife. Uh, we don't get to see each other very much anymore. And so I was going to go meet her for lunch today, and I have the radio on our local radio station, and Rush was on there. And they were talking about the sissification of America, how men are being sissified. It is so true. It is so true. And you know where a lot of this is being taught? In our schools. We have our schools. We have colleges and our universities, the libs have taken over our colleges and universities. The only thought that is tolerated there is liberal, socialistic, communistic thought. They've taken over our entertainment, riddled throughout government. You know, the more we go along, the more I'm realizing Republicans and Democrats, they're all the same. I don't know if you're feeling that way, but I'm just like, it's all a swamp. But who is behind that? The seducing spirits. I've warned about the YouTube. We have the occult on the arise. We have social media. Oh, how the, the seducing spirits are all over social media. We have the internet. Can you imagine? These, these, these are things that just a few years ago I never thought as parents we'd be fighting up, you know, fighting for, fighting against. Be not deceived. I'd encourage you sometime just to look up that phrase, be not deceived. 
and just study the passage of Scripture where we're told, be not deceived, be not deceived, be not deceived, be not deceived. Actually, one pad I can't think of the reference right now, it says, don't deceive yourself. <laughs> Self-deception. If thou put the brother in remembrance of these, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith. And what kind of doctrine? Good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. We know who's behind that, the seducing spirits, who privately or privately shall bring in damnable heresies into the, into the world, but also now spilling over into the church, damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And what? Many. I want to tell you something. I don't want to be numbered with the many. And many shall follow their pernicious. What does pernicious mean? It's a word we don't use very much. It means destructive, harmful. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by the reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now for a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. These were more noble. Who was more noble? No. Who were more noble? The Bereans. Church at Berea. The Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. As they searched the scripture, they received the word with readiness of mind. You know what that, you know what that readiness of mind is? It's one that I'd like to name some names right now that you don't have. A readiness of mind is a mind that is ready, prepared, excited to come to church to receive the word of God. Looks forward to having their devotions. What is the Lord going to teach me today? It's a readiness. It's a prepared mind. That with readiness of mind, they search the scriptures, how often? Daily, whether those things were so. So, This Bible, this good old King James Bible, do you understand? It is a filter. It's a filter that filters out all the satanic, devilish seduction and false doctrine and false teaching and perversion. It filters it all out. If we don't have this filter, we're going to be susceptible. Fallen angels can affect, I cannot believe it, going on five to eight. Fallen angels can affect human beings in many different ways. Many different ways. The Bible said his fame went out throughout all Samaria, and they brought unto him sick people that were taken with sick people, diverse diseases, people who tell us what kind of torments, but they're undergoing. And those which were possessed of what? Devils, those that were what? Those that had the palsy, any what? Healed them. So angels can affect humans in many different ways, and we're going to look at some of those ways right here. First of all, they can cause insanity. 
You know, we take people and we lock them up in insane asylums. And we give them drug therapies. Personal opinion? Some of these people, they're insane because they're demon-possessed. We just don't acknowledge it as demon possession because, you know, we don't believe in that, that stuff. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, we studied this man last week, kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy upon my son, for he is what? He's a lunatic. Okay? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, maybe my kids are demon possessed. But... And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed from him and the child was cured. Was cured. Remember the uh, demon possessed man in Gadara? Out of his mind, lived among what? Lived among the tombs, ran around naked all the time. They tried to chain him with chains, but he had that supernatural strength given to him by the devils. He broke the chains, people were afraid of him. He was a lunatic. But when he met Jesus and he was delivered from that legion of devils and they came to Jesus and they see the man that was possessed with the devils had a legion of these devils sitting and clothed. What happens when a person gets saved? They put some clothes on. Sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. They once were afraid of this guy. Now they're afraid of the man who set him free and made him a new creature. But he was a lunatic. The devils did that to him. Fallen angels can also cause suicidal tendencies. Remember the young man who was lunatic? Tethered to his father. How would he try to kill himself? Throwing himself into the fire. Throwing himself into the water to drown himself. The devil made him suicidal. Jesus rebuked the devil. Departed from him. The child was cured. Praise the Lord. Amen. So suicidal tendencies can come from these fallen angels. Fallen angels can cause blindness and deafness. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he what? Healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb spake and saw, and the people were amazed. And, and who began, my time is going here. Who then begins to criticize Jesus? Oh, those guys. Begin to criticize him. Well, he, he, he cast out that devil through the power of Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus said, verse, verse 26, And if Satan cast out Satan, is he divided against himself? How shall his kingdom then stand? Satan doesn't fight himself. If I cast out uh, uh, devils by Beelzebub, <clears throat> by whom do your children cast them out? This is called Beat the Clock. Wasn't there a game show like that one time? And then, uh, then the Lord Jesus, I mean, he rebukes these Pharisees. And uh, he says this, Wherefore I say unto you, all men are sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, men. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. What were they doing? 
What were the Pharisees doing? They were blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Jesus was doing his work and his ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit. They said, no, you're doing it under the power of Beelzebub. And my personal opinion is the Pharisees knew exactly who Jesus was. They knew exactly that he was operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't want to lose their position. So they opposed him, and they, they sinned against the, they were, what it was. The, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the rejection of Jesus Christ. They rejected him. He said, it will not be forgiven in this life, nor in the one which is to come. The only sin that cannot be forgiven is rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's exactly what they were doing here. Religion was lost. We see that fallen angels can cause someone to be mute. Only deaf, and, but uh, mute. And they went out and beheld, uh, they, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was out of him, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel, but the Pharisees, there you go, but the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of devils. Fallen angels can also cause immorality. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how Satan, remember Ezekiel and Isaiah, tell us that he weakens the nations. And I shared with you that he weakens the nations through immorality and through what? Corruption. Through immorality and corruption. What do we see in the news every single night? We see immorality. We're really seeing it now, right? Immorality and corruption. Immorality and corruption. Who is behind the immorality? Notice how it calls these devils. What does it call them here? Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. Unclean in the Greek language is the word that means morally impure or lewd. Morally impure and lewd. Now, I put this up here, breaking the chains of addiction, because sensuality has become an addiction in America. We now live in a very pornographic age. Men and women alike are now addicted to pornography. Just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with a man. It's damaging his marriage. He really doesn't want to be into it. But he said every day, he said, I, I view pornography every single day. Men and women alike have been taken in by this snare, this, these seductive devils in this area of immorality, starting at very young ages. Church, family, please listen to me. This is destroying us as a nation. Immorality is a big thing. Unclean spirits. 
It's a direct connect to being morally impure or lewd. Not only are we dealing with sexual addictions today, we're also dealing with drug addictions on a scale that we've never seen before. In our churches, many churches now have drug addiction programs. There is a direct connection between drug addiction and sorcery. And a lot of us don't understand this or we haven't seen the connection that's here, so I want to I share this with you. The words pharmacy or pharmaceutical are derived from the Greek word uh, pharmaka. In the Strong's Concordance, it means pharmacy, magic, sorcery, sorcerers, or witchcraft. Very interesting. The word is found in the Bible in the following passages. I'm just going to put two up there for you. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, what? Witchcraft. Same word that we get the word pharmacy or pharmaceutical from. What is a pharmacy? Place that dispenses what? Drugs. Pharmacy, pharmaceutical, witchcraft. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and all what? Sorcerers. Same, same root word. Sorcerers. Pharmacy. Pharmaceutical. <clears throat> Shall have their part in the lake with burns with fire and brimstone. The Vines Concordance of uh, Expository Dictionary says that this word primarily signifies the use of medicines, drugs, and spells. Direct connect to sorcery. Harper's Bible Dictionary says sorcerers were skilled in the use of herbs, potions, and drugs. There is an opioid epidemic in America today. We now lead the world in overdose deaths. America has 4% of the world's population... 27% of the world's drug overdose and deaths. <clears throat> why, can, why can we not see the reality of what happens when a nation rejects God? That's right, Mike. Because we're blinded by the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Tell you what, we are the light of the world and we have the light of the gospel. That will open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. The Bible said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have what? Listen, listen to me, all of you here tonight. Stay away from drugs. You open yourself to sorcery. The influence of devils. There were two drug dealers mentioned in the Bible. One was Simon the sorcerer, and the other was Bar-Jesus, another sorcerer. All right. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before in the same city used sorcery to bewitch the people of Samaria, giving out himself that he was some great one. 
to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him, sorceries, pharmaceuticals, same word there, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that for a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries, with his pharmacy. Amazing, isn't it? And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered money, saying, Give me also this power. He didn't want his drug power. He wanted this power as well. That on whomsoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. So much more I can say about that, but we're going to go to the next drug dealer in the Bible. Uh, by the way, Peter said, I don't want your money. Amen? This is bar Jesus. And when they had gone through the island of Pat, uh, Patmos, they found a certain sorcerer, pharmaceutical, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, same guy as Bar-Jesus, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the what? That's exactly what devils do. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him and said, O full of subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil. Praise God, Paul wasn't politically correct. Thou enemy of all righteousness. I'll tell you, we need someone to go to Washington and say that to some of our politicians. Thou will not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord, and now behold the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind and not seen for the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him the mist of darkness, and he went about seeking some what to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished, at the doctrine of the Lord. Praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I, I, there's so many passages of scripture that warn us against, against being involved with devils, being involved in the occult. Okay, One of the greatest promoters of the occult, as we're going to see in just a minute, all these things I put up here is Walt Disney. Magicians, Walt Disney. Curious Arts, Walt Disney. Snake Charmers, Walt Disney. Every one, every one of these that I put up here that God tells us not to have anything to do with is promoted by Walt Disney. Astrologers. Passing through the fire. Worships of false gods. Divination. Observer of times. An enchanter. Enchantments. A witch. Witchcraft. A charmer, <clears throat> consulter with familiar spirits, mediums, wizards. Does this sound like Walt Disney to you? 
necromancer, person who speaks with the dead, soothsayer, Walt Disney. And I could put up many more of these. But these are videos, CDs, that a lot of us Christians have in their homes. Yes or no, church? And God says, don't have anything to do with it. Fallen angels can also cause illness, physical illness. Remember Mary Magdalene? Who was Mary Magdalene before she got saved? Okay, I knew someone was going to say that. Do you know there's no reference in the Bible to her being a prostitute? The Bible never says she was a prostitute. But as soon as we think of Mary Magdalene, we think of a prostitute because the world tells us she was a prostitute who got involved with Jesus. And they had illicit relationships. doesn't say that about Mary Magdalene. It says, however, that she was, before her conversion to Christ, she was uh, sick with infirmities by evil spirits. And that she had seven demons in her. And these demons caused her infirmities. Boy, how excited she must have been when she came to Jesus. No wonder she became such an ardent follower of Christ. But let me tell you something. She was not Jesus' girlfriend. Perverted world. Who remembers this story? Okay. Beautiful story of this woman that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit, a fallen demon, a spirit of infirmity, how many years? 18 years, and was bowed together. Poor lady. Which could not lift up herself. The story, Jesus sees her, casts the demon out of her, and immediately she's what? She's whole. Because the demon's gone. It was causing that infirmity. Well, guess when it happened? On the Sabbath day. I think Jesus just liked doing things on the Sabbath day to, to get under the skin. He probably was, is there any Pharisees around here? I'm going to heal someone right now. They are so angry. So angry and accused him of violating the Sabbath. Jesus puts them in their place and they leave absolutely embarrassed. Praise the Lord. Not right to do good on the Sabbath, to deliver this woman who for 18 years was bowed over, couldn't even lift herself up. Fallen angels can also cause physical mutilation of the body. As you look at this, what is this story? Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Who are behind the prophets of Baal? Fallen angels. Demon spirits. And they cried aloud to their God, and they cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out of them. How many have ever heard of people cutting themselves? Self mutilation 
is of the devil. Goes back to that story of this boy. It says, <clears throat> I'll just jump right in the middle, middle here. And uh, wheresoever he take, taketh him, this evil spirit taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. Self-mutilation is of the devil. So what have we learned so far tonight? Satan is a fallen angel. Devils or demons are fallen angels. Fallen angels have names. They can speak. They're highly intelligent. They formulate a system of satanic <coughs> doctrine, theology. Uh, they possess great ability and strength. They are very active in the world. They seek to thwart the purpose of God. They uh, uh, can possess individuals. They push forward Satan's plan and program. They dissimulate false doctrine. They affect human beings in many different ways. They can cause insanity. They can cause suicidal tendencies. They can cause blindness and deafness. They can cause muteness. They can cause immorality. They can cause addiction. They can cause illness. They can cause self-mutilation. But praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Read this verse with me. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to get into this tonight, but our time is that we're already way past time. But next week we will come back to talk about the believer's authority that we have in Christ over devils. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We have no time for questions tonight, I'm sorry. Did we learn something this evening? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.